0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to the show. I keep starting before the intro, but welcome to the show this week. Um, thank you for joining me. Um, if this is your first time watching the show, welcome to Young Women Speak Out, which is a. Six- program being broadcasted by the Sylvia Global Media Network to elevate the voices of young activists from around the world. Um, So far, we've had some really cool adventures. We've um, spoken to LGBT activists from Nigeria. We've talked about young women's leadership in Kenya um, and feminism and fashion in Ghana, so some very exciting stuff. This week, uh, we are switching gears a little bit and moving to the Caribbean, which I'm really excited about. Um, And I will be speaking to a really, really amazing young woman from Grenada. Believe me, you're in for a treat. Um, As always, before we get started, just a couple of things to say. Uh, The show is being streamed live on the Sylvia Global website, um, which is sylviaglobal.com. If you'd like to catch any of the shows that you might have missed, you can look them up on the Sylvia Global YouTube channel. Um, They're all listed there. We've got all three shows there. And as always, folks, please uh, stay engaged throughout the show. I'm happy for you all to tweet questions to me, send me messages on Facebook. Um, I'm always or email. I'm always looking out for feedback and comments about the show, um, but also for questions from my guests, so please feel free to do that. Um, and so this week, we have a really, really incredible person. I'm really honored to introduce every, to everyone Malika brooks who is an activist from the beautiful Spice Isle of Grenada. Uh, Malaika is the co-founder of the Groundation Grenada Action Collective, and she says her approach to social change includes yoga instruction at the Spice Harmony Yoga Studio, which she runs with her family. And also really amazing stuff. She has an agricultural development and education project called the Grenada Goat Dairy Project, which I'm really excited to learn more about and to talk about. Um, If you want to engage with Malaika throughout the show or afterwards, you can find her on Twitter, Malaika um, B-S-L, so that's M-A-L-A-I-K-A B-S-L on Twitter. As always, you can find me on Twitter, SheRocksBlocks, S-H-E-R-O-X-L-O-X. Um, before we get started, I'd just like Malika to introduce herself, even though I have. You could just tell, you know, tell our viewers a little bit about who you are and what you're doing.
2: Well, hi, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, at right right now, I'm kind of battling it out with a little bit of sniffles, so that's like the first apology. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, it, it's amazing. All the things that you said, you know, to me somehow um yoga, agricultural development and art really come together in my mind. Um so I tend to have a lot of lot of things going on but also trying to find ways to strike a balance and um facilitate other people kind of rising up and uh being active as well. Yes.
1: Awesome. So one of the things that um I, I read from your intro, and I know from, from knowing you, is that you describe yourself as an artist and activist. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you, and what does that mean for the kind of work that you create?
2: Well, um, I guess starting when I really started to explore art as a mode for me to articulate myself, and primarily I use photography and film, mm-hmm. um. When I first started exploring that in college, it it was happening hand in hand with uh, an exploration in anthropology. I was really interested in visual anthropology, so the study of visual cultures, you know, so looking at everything from, you know, how museums function in society to how advertising functions to the way that art um, engages with social issues. So. I was really an anthropology major initially who took a lot mm-hmm. of art history and a lot of art. And then at some point, I I, um, I was awarded a Mellon Mays Undergraduate Research Fellowship, mm-hmm. um, which is to support underrepresented um, people in professorial positions. So that's like the kind of goal of that fellowship. And basically, my advisor at the time, as I was studying the politics of representation, so questions like, you know, who has the power to represent someone, Mm -hmm. you know, where do you, um, how do you have access to representing yourself, you know, and for us in the Caribbean, we know certainly, especially in the smaller islands, most of our media comes from um, abroad, which is all all well and good to get lots of um, input, but it's hard because we don't have a local voice to, you know, kind of be in the mix as well. So for me, studying about those questions of visual politics led me, and my advisor kind of suggested, you know, why not have your responses be in the same language of what you're studying? So because I was doing a lot of art anyway that tended to be conceptual, tended to ask questions, tended to get people kind of, you know, um, thinking a little bit, I guess, Um, the, the suggestion was, well, you know, this, visual can be the way that you communicate. So writing is crucial, but what Mm -hmm. happens when I'm responding to something visually with something, something visual with something visual? Um, So for me, the art aspect becomes a mode of representing ideas and questions. So activism kind of gets, art kind of channels that and Mm -hmm. um, allows for a way of being creative about how we think about the, the issues that we're dealing with.
1: So, So kind of just taking from that, one of the things that I'm interested in is knowing about some of the work that you have produced. Um, You mentioned that, you know, you engage with film and you also engage with photography. Tell me a little bit about some of the things that you've been doing.
2: Yeah, well, um, let's see. Um, In terms of video work, a few years ago, you know, sometimes you see, you really see, like you see a flyer and it has a deadline, and you're like, "Ooh, I want to do that." And like a lot of times, you don't do it. Yeah. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was in, um, at at University of the West Indies in Trinidad, where I was working. I've been kind of working on my masters in cultural studies through them, and I was there for a few semesters for coursework. And I saw this flyer that was for agriculture and science film competition. And I was like, that's awesome. And um, so I decided to yeah. And I was like, ooh, okay. You know, and also the prizes are a good incentive, you know, for um, us, like artists, activists, students, whoever, you're always looking to try to be sustainable as well. And the prizes were quite significant. And it's often, we don't often get compensated for our work. So I ended up applying, um, ended up, making a film with the other co-founder of Groundation, Richie Maitland, and we created um, this piece called Food for Thought, which was this Mm -hmm. stop-motion animation about one particular model that we think would be useful in the Caribbean actually you have utilized this in Jamaica the CSA community supported mm-hmm. agriculture i know you've gotten like boxes of fresh fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. from a farm in Jamaica and mm-hmm. so we were this whole animation was about that concept and showing people what is it what would it look like um to cut out the middleman and connect directly with your farmers and basically have a share in a farm, so that you get the fresh food um, when it's available. Um, so that that was, I think, what that video piece, randomly enough, is what kind of propelled me into more video in the Caribbean because I moved back from the states in 2010, and then that video, um, all of that manifested. Oh, like I think 2011, we won third place. And then, you know, they flew me to Barbados for the Caribbean Tales Film Festival, and I got involved with that and did a 48-hour film challenge there with two amazing, amazing um, young men from Jamaica who own this uh, production called Blip Production. And they—they mm-hmm. they, it was amazing. It was amazing to be thrown into that kind of creative environment, and we made an amazing film in 48 hours from wow. start to finish. I mean, it was nine minutes, but it was like, you know, that's epic for people who yeah. do this, you know, that's epic. So and then in terms of my photography work, well, um, you know, and the more con- like the more conceptual work. I I think a lot of times I'm really interested I guess the yoga comes into play, like questions of um the mind and like how we are so connected all the time. Like right now I have like twenty browsers open with twenty tabs each, no. That, that's overwhelming. That's an exaggeration. It's like well, five afraid. browsers. <laughs> five browsers with like 10 tabs. But the point is, we're over, like, we're just stretched so thin. I know, yeah. Get, I mean, I can connect with all these people that weren't possible. You know, my parents had to write letters and I can write emails. But the point is, I still, like, our mind is just constantly busy. And what does it mean to be able to have the ability to say, I want to just not? think right now, I would like to experience, and for most of us, it's very difficult to say, okay, I'm not going to think, I'm going to experience, and, mm-hmm. and, and also to recognize that we are not our thoughts, mm-hmm. and that is a really freeing concept as well, because if we were our thoughts, then we wouldn't know that we were thinking, you know, so there is a witness you know we are witnessing the movements of our mind, and oftentimes we're kind of caught up by it versus being in control you mm-hmm. know, so we've all been in those places where something has happened in our life, and we just our mind is just like you know and so even in my work, I guess thinking about how do we how do we shift that paradigm and how do we deal with that too? You know, so not only just change it but recognize it, cope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um because I guess it's it tends to be a lot of external influence that has us going, you know, like mm-hmm. expectations of others, societal norms, all this stuff like we're constantly in negotiation with. Um and so I had the pleasure of doing an artist residency in um Barbados.
1: Yeah. Uh, tell tell I was gonna ask about that with yeah. Mel
2: Oh, it was my first artist residency. It was at Fresh Milk, which is a contemporary art platform that is, I mean, amazing. Mm-hmm. This is just a space where Annalie Davis um, and her team there are just doing what they can on, like, a zero budget, right? Like, because we're all just trying, you know. There's not really funding for the arts, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though a lot of our governments like to talk about that. There, The money tends to not go where it's really needed and it's being mm-hmm. used but she is doing amazing things in her space, and it was so wonderful. So an artist residency is basically when a space, you know, a gallery, a museum or something, invites you as an artist to come um, for whatever amount of time and create work, but also do outreach in the community. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, funny, in Grenada, when I told a few people about it, they're like so, like, does the work belong to you? Which is a question I had never thought about. But quite a few people were like, oh, so what, is it their stuff now? Mm-hmm. And it's actually all yours. But, you know, what it does is it helps them to activate their space and to bring inspiration mm-hmm. to their community. So it was wonderful. I made a video installation piece um, that dealt with these issues of, like, the mind mm-hmm. um, and just kind of constant thinking, constant thinking. Called so it's a
1: piece. Is the piece um, available now, or are you still working on it?
2: Well, it's not available because I'm um, submitting it to a few film festivals. Okay,
1: great.
2: Uh, yeah, so, like, the Trinidad and Tobago Film Festival and Caribbean Tales and a few other, like, new media. I am kind of have my eye on a few new media um, festivals. Globally, but so you know, it's not like bigger,
1: the yeah. Caribbean Film Corner, which happens in London in oh, September, um, yeah, yeah. they would love something like that. So, definitely connect with the Caribbean Film Corner, and I'd be happy to make that connection after. Oh,
0: um, yeah. But I'm also,
1: you know, just really interested with this idea of Groundation Grenada as well because you said it was something that you founded when you came back from university. Um, you were, you know, you went to UE. Tell me a little bit more about Groundation, what you do. Who your other co-founder is, and you know why it's important.
2: Well, um, so when I, I, I did my undergrad at Smith, um, Smith College in Massachusetts, which, um, actually my five-year reunion is starting tomorrow, so that's why I'm up here in the states at the moment. Um, but when I moved home in 2010, yeah, 2010, um, it was actually the summer before I moved home that Richie, Richie and I, um came up with the concept, you know, we both really have like been connected so deeply um because partially because of our passion for social justice. Um and so that summer of 2009 is where the seedling started and the concept came up and the blog started then too and it took, you know, I kind of sometimes it takes things being really thought out first before you launch them and other times it means like, you have part of the concept, and you let it grow organically. And Groundation started, you know, um, and then we had the blog. It wasn't very active. Every now and again we post. Um, and then in the past year or so, it's just taken off, you know, um, partially because, you know, with <laughs> working on my thesis, I also like to try to find other things to do. Um <laughs> So the, the, the blog has really taken off. And what it is, like, you know, the the web presence is really useful because it acts as a magnet for the types of folks that we need to help us kind of
0: mm-hmm.
2: have the capacity to do other things. So the mm-hmm. blog has allowed us to connect locally in the diaspora um, with and just internationally with people who are interested in um, – being actively engaged, but in a creative way as well, mm-hmm. you know um what are some of the
1: topics that you guys write about on the blog or some of the issues that come up?
2: Um, so we deal with a lot of a lot of women's issues, issues of gender actually um I, I don't even want to call them women's issues. I'm like adamant now mm-hmm. <laughs> around recognizing that a lot of what we call women's issues if they're anybody's issues, they're men's issues, but also that they're they're everybody's issues, right? Mm-hmm. We are all connected. There's no, like, woman or man living on an island alone with only women or men. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's happening. But the point is that, you know, so we deal with a lot of issues around, um, like, creating a voice for um, folks who are creative writers, too, mm-hmm. um, but also thinking about um, being critical of, politics, like having, how do you, how do you create a space for young people in particular to engage with political questions, you know, so one of our most, I think our most popular posts was an article written by these two Grenadians who are, they're both living in different parts of Europe at the moment, um, and they're these two amazing young young women, and they wrote this article around questioning, and just raising questions around the um, recent uh purchase of a hotel in Grenada by Sandals, Mm -hmm. which is like a multinational, very um, wealthy institution, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had incredible tax breaks. I mean, like years and years and like decades now. They Mm -hmm. were awarded decades of tax exemptions, etc. And so these women were raising questions, you know. And the thing is, it's not to say that this is good or this is bad per se, but the point is the way that the government treated that deal they didn't Mm -hmm. speak to the community you know so we're kind of asking for more dialogue Mm -hmm. overall so dealing with issues also of access to like well-rounded education just access overall but also like how do you incubate incubate action of other people so we don't all we don't have to do all the initiatives but we can support um, other things happening so we act as an amplifier too
1: Well, that's really interesting because one of the questions I had, you know, I obviously I'm a big fan of the blog. I check it out regularly. But one of the questions that I have for you is just kind of, and also I'm sure some of the viewers have, is, you know, what is a sense of collective action? Um, How do we, um, you know, given the fact that there are lots of things that are happening across the region, across the Caribbean, um, you know, people that are trying to engage with these issues both in their own islands but also, you know, across the region, how do we amplify collective action? What does that mean? Well, huh. I think
2: one of the foundational things is, and, you know, this word, I community is, like, one of those words now, like, in my mind, like, diversity that just, like, could be so watered down. Mm-hmm. But building maybe family. But the point is, None of this stuff is sustainable, none of any kind of action whatsoever unless we trust each other, you know. So one of our main actions recently is a lot of it is around wellness and Mm -hmm. connecting in that way. So we do these maroon retreats Mm -hmm. um, and we have one coming up at the beginning of June. And what it is, is like it's just a space to have affordable access to um, and affordable Fairly affordable, right? It's hard because we also want Mm. all the massage therapists that we work with and, um, you know, the spaces, et cetera, to be able to be sustainable too. But the point is, it's like trying to create a, a positive environment for people to get to know each other. So the last Maroon Retreat was so amazing because there was such a mixture of people there from Grenada. So it wasn't that it was necessarily like tourists coming in at all, what it was was a broad cross-section of people from young activists to, you know, small business owners to, um, you know, people, one, per, one couple who's there for the medical school to this woman, this American woman whose, like, daughter married a Canadian, so she comes down to visit her and, you know, the family and these kind of sectors of our society that don't necessarily get um, thought about because there's a lot of focus on tourism. So bringing people, I think... Collective action, the foundation of that is really mutual respect um, and... Community. Yeah, compassion. Like, you know, because people, you need people to be invested. If we don't Mm -hmm. know each other, Mm -hmm. you know, how are we going to care about, like, keeping our commitments and that kind of thing? So we really are thinking about building the base in that way, um, bringing people together in small ways to say, okay, like, we Mm -hmm. care... You know, and we want to know, and we want to um, be able to, as a group, you know, know that we are growing together, you know, Mm -hmm. so not just pushing towards, like, so, you know, with these kind of initiatives, you're trying to get things passed, or you're trying to, you know, build awareness around something, but are we also nurturing ourselves um, and making sure that we are creating a, a healthy environment to work in all together, you know, so I think that's, like, a foundational part of it for us at this moment. I mean, that. I think okay. I think
1: that's really, really a good way to think about collective action. Is also thinking about how we build community and how we nurture ourselves. And it makes me think of actually how we met, which mm. was at um, a, a feminist, a young feminist grounding called the Catch a Fire Grounding in Barbados last year, um, bringing together a group of young feminists from around the region. So, one of the things that I wanted to kind of you know, just put out there and talk to you a little bit more about is the Catch a Fire Collective, you know, what has it meant to be part of a regional collective of young feminists organizing and trying to kind of engage in collective action around, you know, putting our issues on the table, um, supporting each other's initiatives, What has it meant to be part of something like that?
2: Well, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's difficult because, again, like, everybody is so overloaded. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you get, like, a million emails a day from, like, different things all of, all the time. And so it, it can be hard, I think, sometimes to get people to be active. But what I like about Catch a Fire is, like, whenever an initiative comes up, there's a few people who end up being the point people and they push it through, which feels really, really good. And I think that... Even small things, like, for instance, the like the, the photo pool that we put on Flickr for One Billion Rising, where we showed what was happening regionally just by saying, hey, anything happening in the region, put a picture here. Mm-hmm. And that led to um, some article that was writing about One Billion Rising across the region used photos from there. So it's just, mm-hmm. like, sometimes it's the smallest things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would, it, I we have a long way to go, and I know that, for some people, it feels like the fire has fizzled realistically. You know it was so intense being together for those few days and feeling like, "Yes, we
0: can do this
2: <laughs> and then, like going back to your space where it feels like there's less of that energy around you and less of the support can be frustrating um, but there's something about knowing that these women exist and being able to connect with you with you guys that that makes things so much more um so much more sweet, you know, impossible.
1: <laughs> well, actually, right now I'm just going to share um, for anyone that's watching or listening and is interested in, you know, becoming a part of the Catch a Fire network. Um, we do share links with each other on Twitter. We use the hashtag #CatchaFire, which is F Y A H profile. fire. Or you can find out a little bit more about us. Um, there is a website um, that you can visit about.me/CatchaFire um and sign up to our list there. There's also work that happens um through Code Red for Gender Justice, which is based in Barbados that supports the Catch the Fire initiative. But you know one of the things that um one of the questions that actually came um came through on Twitter was asking, you know, what are some of the issues that young feminists or young women are organizing around in the Caribbean? Um mm. you know, whether in Grenada or more broadly that you've seen happening across the region, what's going on? Because there is this sense, you know Is Caribbean feminism dead you know what's happening Um, what are young women doing so what are your thoughts on that well I think it's
2: refreshing to recognize that there is there there are young folks who really are ready to be engaged and sometimes I think that the support systems aren't there for that to happen Um, so for instance Thinking about, like, I don't know, a couple different things come to mind because I know, hmm, I think that a major issue right now in Grenada, for instance, like, some of the things that we're dealing with are around, like, LGBT rights, um, but also around domestic violence. Um, mm-hmm. I think as the economic situation gets harder in Grenada, um there's more domestic violence that's maybe happening. I don't know if there's statistical evidence of that at the moment, but I know that that is a reality, Mm -hmm. right? When people feel like they don't have power economically, et cetera, then they're going to try to put other people down and like take out their frustration. So we have a lot of scary things going on in terms of domestic violence, in terms of rape. I think that also just, being able, but at the same time, in the Caribbean, and apparently not just in the Caribbean, young men are really kind of failing in the traditional school system right so it 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 feels it feels a bit complicated to just to want to focus in on women's issues without also talking about what are some of the issues specifically affecting men
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and what does that mean? Obviously, you know, to be frustrated in a school system leads to other frustration as well. So wondering about those questions. I think people are also really trying to organize around, um, around access to, like, economic um, growth and, like, opportunities for self-empowerment as well. Um, and also around, like, uh, sexual reproductive rights even though that language isn't used per se, but, you know, and it's a debate in the region around questions of abortion, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have access to safe um, safe abortions, legal abortions in Grenada. I think maybe some of the other islands, Barbados maybe mm-hmm. has, I'm not sure. Um, but I know in Grenada for sure, Planned Parenthood certainly is not talking about that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's no discussion around that. And so what does that mean? I mean, People are having this procedure done in mm-hmm. Grenada or leaving if they have access to that, and how can we talk about this issue in a more open way? you know mm-hmm. um I think it can be difficult within the religious context as right. well, you know to have some of these harder discussions, like for instance around sexual education in school i mean mm-hmm. kids are having sex
1: mhm mm-hmm. that's
2: like the news bulletin of the day they are you know so how do we? help to make the decisions more healthy. And it is my sense that by having real discussions about sex, you minimize the amount of kind of uh, less healthy, less kind of enriching experiences that Mm -hmm. young people have. You know, if it's less taboo, then you're making an opportunity for people to say, you know what, this is not something that I have to do to like gain some Mm -hmm. social status because it's taboo we've had conversations around this, I don't feel ready for this, or I do feel ready for this. I don't mm-hmm. see why that's such a scary thing for our society to grapple with, but it is.
1: Right. You know, you know one of the things that I, I would say is that I actually think that a lot of conversation and discussion put particularly among young people, is happening online. So people yeah. using social media, particularly in very small communities. Um, I know that that happens a lot in Antigua. Lots of debates and discussions happening about these issues online mm-hmm. because it feels kind of a little bit safer than it would to have them more openly, more broadly. Um, you can also hide behind social media, which, you know, take what yeah. you will can be a good or a bad thing. But I think that actually a lot of young people are using um, those platforms and are – kind of creating their own media to be able to have these conversations and to be able to push um, issues forward. Um, also, there are lots of emerging um, platforms that are that are coming out of the woodwork. I know that in Trinidad, there's a sexuality studies course program that's happening this summer. Also mm-hmm. in Barbados, there's the Gender um, Institute that happens every summer. So there's, I think, different spaces in which we're trying to push and have these conversations. Of course, you can say, you know, who can access those spaces, but I think it's important that we make it more inclusive and more open so that, you know, these issues and these conversations are coming from young people. Um, Right,
2: and then how do we move the discussion off the Internet, too? Like, how do we take it into action? Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance... uh, um, on June 6th, we are partnering with, and this is like my first time officially announcing it, we haven't put out stuff yet, but we're partnering with ARC Magazine, um, which is like this ultimate, amazing, and I can't even call it just a publication, but ARC is basically a contemporary arts magazine out of St. Vincent that is stunning. It's mm-hmm. like, the, the, the production value is amazing, it's a non-profit, and they just really focus on, um... Positioning art and artists within a social context and within a critical social context. But beyond that, they also are activators of space. So they're not just saying, This is what's happening, this is what artists are doing. They are facilitating artists in this really powerful way. So Ground Nation is partnering with ARC to launch their seventh issue in Grenada. Um, wow. Yeah, and because that same week, like, so also our retreat. For Ground Nation is capitalizing on that same week, which is the Caribbean Studies Association Conference. It's happening in Grenada that week. So the launch is going to be um, happening one of the nights. The day before is going to be the retreat. We're really finding ways of getting people out of the kind of, like, panel, sitting in a room, which can, is awesome. I'm very excited that these things are going to be happening in Grenada. But also, like, how do you connect people in a less formal setting so it's going to be great. We're going to have a conversation with Luniya Kempadoo, who's a Guyanese mm-hmm. author who lives in Grenada and is a dear friend of mine. Um, she's going to do a reading from her new book, and we're going to have a dialogue. Um, and then also, we're going to be screening a lot of great films, including the Grenadian premiere of *Ring the Alarm*, which is this film collective's Caribbean film collective piece um, that came out last year. So it's a lot of good things, but Sounds it's like good. moving, just moving some of that off the internet. Yeah you know, and into space, and what does that mean to let the dialogue move also into space and then become action, right. um, and then also to go back to some of the issues um, within the Grenadian context in particular, I really just want to raise this, which is that, so for a young woman in secondary school, in high school, if she gets pregnant,
0: mm-hmm.
2: she um, she cannot continue her education in the mm-hmm. school. Um, Mm -hmm. she can still take the CXC examinations, which is like the end of high school, you know, qualifications or whatever, but she can't complete school. She gets kicked out. The boy, the father, the potential father, I guess the idea is like, well, you don't know who the dad is, so Mm -hmm. he can't get kicked out. I know it's the Um, same
1: situation in Antigua as well. Yeah, and I'm not vying for anybody,
2: in fact, getting kicked out of school, because if anybody needs an education, it's going to be a young mother Mm -hmm. or or a young father, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's something that people kind of talk about a little bit and it I was shocked I was um, with a group of young um, lawyers and most of them and most lawyers in Grenada are women all the judges Mm -hmm. basically are women Um, I was shocked that these young educated women um, and not to say that you can't have this view that the the women should Mm -hmm. be out but unanimously they were all like well no she shouldn't be able to continue school because she's going to be a bad influence on the others and i'm like okay like pregnancy can be awesome but as far as i understand there's a lot of challenges and mm-hmm. there might be something really um insightful about instead of tucking away this pregnant young person mm-hmm. having her there like you know, not to say that all it is is gonna be her like complaining about swollen feet and how horrible this experience is. it might be amazing for her too, but the point is, you know we need to talk about that uh one 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 issue that they brought up was that, oh, in one school, they tried to let the girl continue, but she was teased and stuff, and I'm like, right. so because she's teased, you're gonna push her to the side why don't you deal with the issue in the school so that's something that I think that we're gonna be. Possibly taking on soon, finding a way to like build some capacity around that issue. Right. Um, because to me, I it's actually know good.
1: I know that, that there are different groups um, around the region that you know have been addressing this issue. Um, Women of okay. Antigua as one group, Um okay. tackling Ministry <laughs> of Education, taking that on as well. So I feel like you know the more when we talk about collective action, building community, sharing strategies and ideas for dealing with issues um, like this. I feel like the more we talk to each other, the more, you know, we figure out what works and, and how to yeah. kind of take these conversations forward and make it actually a Caribbean conversation Right um, as well as, you know, what's happening in, in particular countries. Now That gives it more weight. It gives it more weight. Exactly, exactly. Now, I know that we, you know, we have very limited time left, but there are two things that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Um, before we end the show today. The first is, because I cannot not ask this, but how did you get into, you know, the Goat Dairy Project? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as Malaika doing many, you know, a million and one things, you know, so appears the Goat Dairy Project. Tell me a little bit right? about that.
2: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> the Goat Dairy is um, a project that was co-founded by Christine Curry um, a few years ago, and, you know, the initial vision was that this was something that would help with the recovery after Hurricane Ivan and provide, like, productive pathways for folks and, like, provide resources around dairy production. Because, see, goats have a long history in Grenada. People would have a little goat. Their mom would make butter. Like, you know, it's so It's actually amazing. It's not even just in Grenada. Like, I think that goats, as a little domestic animal, connect with a lot of people in a generation that has kind of passed, or not passed, but there is, you know, an older generation that exists still. There's a kind of nostalgia that I don't even know how that that exists, but it's there. And the point is, like, the goat dairy is really, the initial vision was to, like, hand it over to farmers and let them run it on their own. But realistically, um, these rural folks that we work with do not have, historically have not been given the tools to, manage this kind of a project. And so our idea is like how do we help to create um facilitate growth mm-hmm. in that way so that people can be independent agents and so now most of us on the board um all of us all of us except for one are um members of the local community. Um two of two of the people on the board are young members of the the staff at the goat dairy. So out of five of us, three of us are in our 20s. Um, and it's really both a education and demonstration facility that we have, um, that we provide education for goat farmers, but also mm-hmm. people who might be interested in that. Mm-hmm. But we also provide a guaranteed market. So if people um, – we're trying to support people getting up to standards, getting the water access, they need the electricity, et cetera. But we will buy back their milk. Um, mm-hmm. Because we produce a product, so the idea is to really be self-sustainable. So we did a lot of funding. We had a huge Kickstarter campaign that was immensely successful. But excuse me, we also need to be sustainable in a way that we don't have to keep going through the funding process. You know, Mm -hmm. so we produce a product, um, this delicious chef cheese and this chocolate delight. We want to start doing other things too. We have more, like, we have huge demand for our our product as well. The concept I think people are really into. And then it's also a breeding program where we manage genetics of really high-milking goats. And what it has done is provide a platform to talk about eating local, to provide a platform for thinking about where our food comes from. So it's not just about the goats. It's also this larger thing. And then we are about to open officially. The construction is almost done at this um, primary school project where we opened a second facility next to the 4-H garden at the um, St. Patrick Anglican School. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful outdoor classroom space, um, but also will house, uh, I think, about 16 goats. Mm-hmm. And that compost will get used for their garden. They'll learn about milking.
1: They have, wow. like, a poultry unit. Yeah. So, so, so if folks to- are interested in learning more about the Grenada Goat Dairy Project, where do they go? How do they find it?
2: Right, so for me, like my main thing is social media, <laughs> so I'm not really in there with the goats all the time. I like to say, you know, I'm a budding organic farmer, so it's really social media everywhere. The Goat Dairy—it's such mm-hmm. a generic name that we got it for everything. So Twitter.com/slash okay. wow. The Goat Dairy, Facebook.com/slash The Goat Dairy, Instagram. Wow, lots of awesome things. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, we are
2: on Instagram. Um, so that yeah, that's. All that for the goat dairy. Um, definitely look look into the project, explore, see what we're up to. It's it's a really great it's a great initiative, um, and I think that the, the it's a unique model because people are thinking how can you be a nonprofit and you sell a product? Well, we sell a product precisely because um, we need to not be caught up in the funding model. You know. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm um going to read a quote that means a lot to me, I'm going to share it with you, um, and then ask you to just share your thoughts, um, your experiences, your feelings about this quote, um, and, and we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. So it's a quote from Caribbean feminist writer and activist Audre Lorde who says, oh. caring for myself is not self-indulgent, it is self-preservation, and that is an act of political warfare. Now, I know you, when I think of you, I think, you know, self-care. I think about looking after myself. I think about, you know, um, eating well and exercising. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your work around self-care, particularly in activist communities.
2: Uh, I love me some Audre Lorde. Also because her mom is from Karakou, which is part of Grenada. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, she... That quote is so amazing. I actually recently got a tattoo of one of her quotes on my arm, which is "Revolution is not a one-time event." Mm-hmm. Which reminds me also of the quote that you read, because it's about how do how on a daily basis how do we kind of enact what it is that we want, even on an individual level. And for me, yoga has been a revolutionary tool. I mean, I feel even on the days when I feel the most horrible about life. <laughs> if i go in and teach a class i get so much energy from people um and vice versa it's just it's a beautiful experience to be able to create a positive environment mm-hmm. um and and for me there's also power in saying i can heal myself and mm-hmm. i can heal myself emotionally and physically with tools and with, with help of course if um as much as those are available but the point is that we are we are fine as we are we are amazing beings and mm-hmm. we we're constantly bombarded with images telling us that we're not okay mm-hmm. i mean the, the the all you need to do I'm here in new york is walk around and there's advertisements everywhere yeah they're telling you what products are available but they're also telling you that you are you not this, this, and this and this and this and this to be happy that you're not happy with your wrinkles, you're not happy with your car, you're not happy with this. And so for me it's been important, again, around this issue of how do you set a foundation so we can have all these movements but we need a base, you know. So self-care is critical and especially in our communities where we're constantly told it's a luxury, right. right? You know, it's a luxury to do yoga, it's a luxury to get a massage, it's a luxury that you should not be doing because you have kids, you don't have money. It's not a luxury. It's also what you need to to just heal and to, to enjoy life, you know. So it's really so around
1: of things, that. One of the things that I um, value a whole lot is this idea of balance. Um, and I think that balancing looking after yourself with, you know, the things that you have to do every day is, is crucial, is is very yeah. key. So I'm going to – we've run out of time, unfortunately, this week, um, but I'm going to kind of give you a little – uh, second or two, just to kind of wrap things up. Is there something that you want people to remember or take away? You know, please do share it now, and then we'll we'll wrap up the show.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just very honored to be here. It's really incredible. You know, check out Groundation. We're doing amazing things. We're trying to agitate for a library, which Grenada doesn't have. That's a huge thing too that we're working on right now. Building a library ourselves, even. Um, so just. Really staying connected also to what's happening in the region you know um, because there's a lot of movement coming out of the region I think a lot of folks in the diaspora in particular have no idea that we're so active um, across the region so um, but thank you so much for having me I'm honored 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 <laughs>
1: okay. okay well thank you so much for joining me today Malaika. um actually this week what we're gonna I'm going to end off with a video from one of my favorite music artists, her name is Sarah Tavares from Cape Verde, and the song is actually called Balancé, so ending Mm. on this idea of self-care and balance, um, we'll be playing that for you in a moment, and next week I will be joined by Zena Edwards, um, poet activist extraordinaire out of the UK, I'm really looking forward to talking to Zena, hopefully we can convince her to perform one of her her poems on the show, so You know, activate for that and um, see everyone next week. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you enjoy the video. Take care.
0: No verbo não chega a falar o que é que é que é Crianças, sendo crianças, como crianças brincando, crianças subindo, crianças balançando. deixa me para ti Fecho os olhos e danço-me para mim Uma dança com o pós não vai, que não vem Com um sorriso, porém, que não esqueceu Despeço a mãe, é de alguém que diz que vai Mas que vai me engana que eu gosto